What up, world? It's your boy, the Puerto Rican Powerhouse, the Mike for Hire, the Puerto Rican Kaiju himself, the podcast mercenary Christian Joe Ramos, back at it again with a brand new review. And today we're reviewing the new DC and Warner Brothers film, Shazam! Fury of the Gods, the sequel to the 2019 release of Shazam, directed by David S. Sandberg, written by Harry Gaydon, Chris Morgan, based on the characters of the DC comic. Uh, and let's just say that Shazam was fun. Let's just get the point across. It is not exactly a box office success. I mean, it's not a failure because its budget was between 100 million, 125 million, and it's already grossed 280 million in its first week of release. Um, that's actually not even the first week, the first weekend. I mean, this thing came out what pre-release on Thursday, released yesterday. I watched it right after work, and my expectations weren't high, but they weren't low because these these let's just put it out there. DC is never known for making lighthearted movies. They make a lot of serious, dramatic movies. If they put in a joke here and there, it's like, you know, a quick, you know, a quick rib. It's like a light joke. But no, this is the first DC film to kind of really lean into the meta-ness of being a superhero and how, it, like, absurd it is. And Shazam, for sure, is like the jokey character of the DC universe because he's a minor cosplaying as an adult. In our first film, Billy Batson is, uh, I believe, just entering high school as a freshman. By this film, he's pretty much almost a senior, 17, going on 18 pretty soon. So he's going through a lot of changes. Um, his dynamic with the Shazam family is not all there. He's not exactly the best leader in this film. He's trying his best. But um, let's just give me the, let's give the synopsis. Two years after Thaddeus Savannah's defeat, Hespera and Calypso, two of the daughters of the Titans of Atlas, uh, break up into a Acropolis Museum at Athens, Greece, and steal the wizard's broken staff. Now, I bet you're wondering, how the hell the staff ends up in the museum in Greece? Uh, easy. It was destroyed by, well, broken by Shazam, uh, a.k.a. Billy, and left there in the carnival scene at the end of the first film. And his whole family's like, and I'm like, you didn't put it away? Or like, nah, he's throwing the garbage. I go, crap. So <laughs> that's how they ended up to bre breaking into the museum and stealing the staff and putting it back together with the wizard Shazam's help. So in Philly, Billy Batson adopted Shazam family of foster siblings, saved people from collapsing bridges and the Benjamin Franklin Bridge. I like the fact that DC has taken this character this character, and put him in a real life city. Obviously, all of the cities that the heroes are from are kind of like spoof off actual cities, like Gotham is New York, Metropolis is, I believe, Jersey City, you know, like or something like the sorts. Kind of like every city, Central City, I think Chicago, uh, you know, they are, uh, these cities that the heroes are in are based off, but they don't use the actual name. Not for Shazam, they use the actual city of Philadelphia, the Phillies logo, because the, there's a scene in the end where there's a, they're in the Philly Stadium. A baseball team and um but yeah all your uh the, the sam family they're all there you know zachary levi asher angel jake dylan both grazer richard zellweger adam brody ross butler megan good lucy lou and javon hansu and helen Mirren are the main characters here obviously lucy lou helen Mirren, and um what is her name i think it's i think it's zellweger rachel zegler sorry cannot pronounce her damn name uh, she is one of their three daughters of Titan. So these are the antagonists. And um, the character work here done uh, is amazing because it is one of the things where I find that the kids really steal the movie, but you don't see enough of them. A lot of them time, they're actually in their adult forms. So it kind of like takes away. Like, yeah, they look cooler as uh, adult heroes, but they play better off as kids. 
So you gotta understand that like you don't even see Astro Angel much of the film, let, let alone for like five minutes of great scene in the end. But the whole movie was just super fun. It was one of those fun rides watching this thing. Um, let's see, Zach Galibag reprises role as as a uh, and Astro Angel both as Billy Batson's Zams, the champion of the ancient wizard who possessed the wisdom of Solomon, the strength of Hercules, stamina of Atlas, power of Zeus, and the courage of Achilles and the speed of Mercury. You find that out. They actually find that out because one of the one of the uh, Shazam family members, uh, I believe, one played by let me check by Ross Butler, uh, and also by Ian Chen. Yep, that's who it was. Uh, went into the doors of the infinite doors. He's kind of like going one by one, trying to find out uh, <laughs> which one is the door to a uh, to a different dimension. Uh, but yeah, and uh, he finds the. I guess a secret room where there's this uh, magical pen that's that he dubbed like a sentient pen. He dubbed Steve, and everyone's like, "That oh, looks like a Steve." Again, lighthearted humor, wackiness, hijinks. This is a classic superhero movie, people. This is not some deep thoughted thing. It is an interesting. It's an interesting aspect of the movie that that um, I I kind of miss from superhero movies. They take themselves so damn seriously, and this is the one movie where kind of just like. Similar to Deadpool, it kind of just not makes fun of, but kind of parodies superheroes. But this is ex exactly the amount of maturity I expect from these kids because they're children, for God's sakes. They're just trying to be heroes and they're trying to be adults. They're trying to grow in, in growing pains. And um, the whole film was wild with the whole Apple turning the world into like the into a dystopian hellscape of monsters spawning everywhere in the third act. Um, the whole dynamic between uh i guess you can say billy and his brother um his best friend slash brother freddie freeman and the whole gang is back i mean the shazam film is interesting because all the characters their personalities are so different and um it is a matter of them trying to go through different phases of life some are older and some are younger and billy wants to stay the same because he's just got a family at this age like he's been living in and out of the foster system his whole life and he feels like the little bit of joy he has is losing because everyone's growing growing up growing up it's a it's a part of life like mary brumfield is the eldest of the uh students and wants to go to winter college but she stayed behind to help the to their foster parents raise the rest of them and towards the end you realize that uh Billy's got to let go and let everybody just do their own thing. Of course, um, Freddie wants to just be a knight hero on occasion to get stop stuff. Uh, DJ Catrono plays Pedro. Um, he is an intricate character because he is, I believe, always surveying people. Like He's a very quiet person, but even, even as a hero, he still has that same, like, he, he even said himself, like, if we're playing Dodgeball, even as, as Shazam heroes, like, I still would get hit. And he does. He does get hit by the wand and it loses his powers for better than the movie. Um, again, the entire film, the characters play off each other's insecurities, play off each other's emotions. There's a lot going on as far as like character development with teenagers. It's just weird that for a longer part of the film, they're, they are the adult. For, I guess you kind of want to give all the actors some time, but the kids aren't, don't really get much of a scene. They're, a lot of, they're doing a lot of running. I mean, there's a scene in the third act where you find out that monsters are afraid of unicorns and um and unicorns love ambrosia or some sort of sweetness so 
the uh, youngest of the of the kids, uh, Darla Dudley, who is played by Faith Herman, uh, she says, uh, "Why don't we give uh, the unicorn some Skittles?" And it was a very evident like product placement. She even says, "Taste the rainbow," and then later on she says, "Taste the rainbows, mother." And then they cut off, and she says, "The army of." Dark unicorns are fighting off all the monsters in the in the in Philadelphia, and then it's a big sequence of this that's happening because they're all enclosed in some sort of magical dome. And Helen Mirren's character, Lucy Liu's character, they were just your regular big bad, nothing really special. Just the fact that Lucy Liu kind of fell kind of flat in this film, like she did not feel like she had much depth. She was just a I'm the antagonist girl, and again, it's to be expected, right? It's just a the, the, the character, I mean, I wish they had a better villain in this film. That's one thing I have to say. And I also wish that The Rock, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, right? This man was supposed to have a cameo in this film as well. Because, of course, we all know that Shazam's arch rival and, and nemesis is Black Adam. And it's just so weird that this film came out after Black Adam's debut. And there's no call to Shazam, like exactly the U.S. character. And 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 in Black Adam actually... I don't know, acknowledging each other. It's just so strange how... Listen, I love The Rock as a wrestler. I think his movies are okay. But my God, is this not an indication of big ego? Like, I want to build my own justice society. And I don't need... Um, I don't need uh, to be second fiddle to Zazam, who's literally what the character was based off. Black Adam was supposed to be the... Ergo previous incarnations of Zam, but not even just that, it's just, he's a complete carbon copy, except he has, like, evil character in comics is, like, this very, like, villainous, devilish look with pointy ears and, like, uh, strung, uh, Widow's Peak, but yes, it's weird that they don't acknowledge each other, they don't pop up each other, and I'm just, I'm just baffled that The Rock could have made money if he played team player. It's a complete missed opportunity, I don't want to vent about this forever, but it just seems like he could have added so freaking much if he just played ball. And again, they're going to reboot the DCU, and now it's just called the ZCU. Um, this film, I have to say, the actors, Jake Dylan and Fraser, this kid's amazing. He was in It. He was obviously in the first Shazam film, now in the second Shazam film. He is a star in the making. He's quick-witted. And um, he is the love interest for Anthea, a.k.a. one of the daughters of atlas as you find out later on in the film or actually kind of like the beginning middle and you find also that jamon house's wizard is alive it's because they get trapped in the same dungeon <laughs> trying to escape back to the elf realm i mean the earth realm sorry not elf that's one of the doors they've probably gone through uh, no but seriously everybody here did their part um the step parents cooper andrews and marta milan's was okay like they they had more screen time and they finally realized their kids are superheroes in the, on the low and all this stuff. Megan Good playing Darla as a superhero is just so endearing because this is a grown woman. I mean, we're in the same generation, right? She's probably like a year older than me or so. And um, I grew up with her watching her in Cousin Skeeter and many other projects, right? And, of course, many other films, too, because she's big in movies and stuff. Um, and she plays... Darla to a T, like they play each other so well. Like a Asher Angel finally feels like he's kind of acting more like Zach Levi in the first film. It kind of felt like they were two completely different personalities when he was like from teenager to adult Shazam. Um, 
Grace Carolyn, her, oh, she's actually herself because she's an adult, so she doesn't have to grow up. Um, Ross Butler had more to do in this film. He was Eugene, it's a superhero Eugene. Uh, my God, he was the one that was going through the doors, I believe, uh, trying to find things. Uh, the team between him and Pedro, Pedro was more like, quote unquote, like the whole film was like him hiding in the closet. Like he finally comes out at the end of the film, he's gay, and everyone accepts him for it. It's not a big deal because it's 2023. It's, you know, understandable. But they're both curious for different things uh, on, but they, you know the sense of like what this Shazam cave has to offer, and the secret passageways where they can do things. And I, I like that they're they're adding a little bit more personality to the characters. But then again, this movie isn't like anything of a spectacle. Well, it is a spectacle. It's pure spectacle. Story isn't that deep. It feels like a grown up cartoon live action. Um, that's not a bad thing. Again, it's lighthearted PG-13. They got some some salty language here, we'll say, but of course it's PG-13, so they can say PG-13 swearing as much as they can, and it makes sense. And yeah, CGI is normal. I mean, again, it's nothing crazy. If you wanted me to score this on how good of a film it is, it's like a three and a half out of five stars, which is not bad. I mean, I got I used my uh, <laughs> gift card to buy to buy the movie tickets on IMAX, but it was again a spectacle film that. It's deep story. No, again, it has a simple story of these teens just trying to figure out to be adults and all that stuff. And I get they're trying to grow up. But that being said, whether compelling character development, I mean, eh, it, it it has it wasn't better than the first one. I feel like the first one was really trying something. And this is the exact same production team. I don't want to say they're phoning it in, but with the pending doom of DCU and the reset of the DC universe, it's kind of hard to get to investors. They probably they probably just like you know what, screw it. Let's just throw a regular smegular action superhero film that people expect. Very predictable. Ten years ago, this would have been a great film, but now it just feels like any other superhero film because it's been been dared on that. Like you really have to go outside the box for a superhero movie to stick out these days. And this felt like nope, we're gonna stick the formula, which isn't bad, but it's playing it very safe. And again. Would you take a family to see this? Of course. It has some humor. Lots of humor. Lots of funny humor. Does it have a good story? It's got a follow through. It's like, okay, you know, story A to B, C. It follows a very formulaic formula, which isn't always good or bad. It's just a matter of taste. But again, it's not an amazing movie. You have to see it in theaters. If you want to, I'd say go on a Tuesday when the movie tickets are cheaper. Or if you want to just wait till it comes out on HBO Max. That is, if HBO Max still exists, because apparently it's getting rebranded in a couple of months. So I don't know what's going on with that. But that being said, I had a good time with this. Would I see it again in theaters? Hell no. I saw it once. That's all I need to see it. Um, would I pay to see this with my own money? I mean, kind of did, but not really. Um, was it worth my time? Yeah, it was worth just getting out theaters and seeing spectacle movies. That's what blockbuster season is. I don't expect blockbuster movies Oscar contending films. That being said, we literally had Black Panther and the Oscars this year for many different things. I'm just saying in general, this was very much like DC was like, hey, we can make a typical Marvel film. They even, not through jabs, through like little Easter eggs. And then the end credit scenes where like they bring up their recruiting uh, characters of from Peacemaker are recruiting Zachary Levi's Sazam to the Justice Society. He's like, oh, is that like the Justice League? He's like, no, I kind of want to be the one with the Wonder Woman because he has a huge crush on Wonder Woman. Uh, he had a dream sequence or in a date together or whatever in the film. That was funny. But the actual Gal Gadot Wonder Woman showed up in the end where Billy sacrificed himself to save the world and 
only a god could bring him back. And then, luckily, Diana, who is a demigod, was able to bring him back from the dead and resurrect them. And, yeah, again, it's a very traditional, like, nothing-too-deep movie. Kids are going to love it. The adults are going to enjoy it. It's it's okay. And there's nothing wrong with being okay. But even the director said it, like, even if the movie's a financial bomb, I'm, I don't care because they're going to see the universe. But it does seem like with that end credit scene, that well, there's two of them, but that was one of the big ones for me right there was the fact that um, they're pretty much saying that Zachary Levi is back because Billy Batson, Shazam. Um, so he is going to be part of the universe because, again, James Gunn, humor, it makes sense. So maybe him and the James Gunn universe would fit spot on perfect, right? But who is going to be this universe's Superman? We'll probably just, he probably will pop up in the Flash film, in their end credit scene, considering that Flash film's going to reset the universe. That's going to be the, the excuse to reset the entire DCU to DCU. So, we'll have to wait and see. With that being said, thank you all for tuning in. Again, three and a half out of five stars ain't bad. Um, charming kids, acting, I cannot say anything bad about that. The acting isn't bad. It's just the storytelling is just very bland, very bland. Um, big bads didn't even seem like they had high stakes. I mean, I think we got spoiled. We have been so spoiled with big, big bad new villains almost seeming redeemable. But this, this was straight up just, we, um, when they tried to make them redeemable, but the story wasn't just, it fell flat. Like, it felt like Helmir and Lucy Liu could have done more. And just for the fact they stole our powers and we want our powers back, it's just so basic. And again, it's not a bad storytelling uh, trope, but it's just very standard. I've seen this in cartoons over the years. Like, it's just very straight through so again if you're gonna see some theaters don't expect anything too deep too over the top i mean oh it is over the top for cgi that's for sure but it's just another blockbuster popcorn flick movie just go for it it's a it's i'll give it this much credit more storytelling than a fast and furious movie more storytelling than a than a fox superhero movie no i can't even get i can't even discredit that something like that okay so it's better i will say it's better than Fantastic Four by a mile. It doesn't try too hard to know. It knows what it is. It knows its identity and what. Like it doesn't try to be too serious. These characters are who they are. So again, it knows the audience. It knows who's going to tune in for this, and it also would definitely bring anybody else in if they were just trying to see a movie that's just for fun and entertainment sake, right? So that being said, thank you for tuning in another episode of the podcast, Mr. Joe. I am the podcast for Sir Christian Joe Ramos. Signing off. Till next time. Thank you for tuning in. Until next time, I'm out.